What's up, everyone? Aaron Nagler here on Nagler's Never Right here at PackersNews.com. The week of the Super Bowl, it's Thursday afternoon. Aaron Rodgers is making the rounds, making many media stops there in Minneapolis uh, Thursday morning uh, for the Super Bowl. He's appearing, promoting some hotel chain. But, of course, that's not what's making news. What's making news is Aaron Rodgers talking about not being consulted when Alex Van Pelt was allowed to leave. Uh, saying that he wasn't, he wasn't talked to. No one even, no one even talked to him about Alex Van Pelt leaving, and uh, they've hired a new quarterbacks coach. And of course, that blew Twitter up and blew up my timeline. And I understand it. I, I, I totally get it. But look, I understand that the relationship between the quarterback and the quarterbacks coach is important. Uh, but ultimately, you know, Rogers is going to get on board. There's eight months to go until the season starts, and this is a blip in the radar of the off season uh, that won't amount to much once they're, you know, back in April during the start of the off season program and working towards the same goal, working towards bringing another championship back to title town, which is their job and stated goal year after year. All this will be not forgotten, but most of it will be immaterial. Um, you know, never mind the fact that the whole thing is just odd in the sense that. Mike McCarthy stated, and other reports have confirmed, that Alex Van Pelt wanted out. Van Pelt, as far back as the beginning of 2016, indicated to Mike McCarthy that he wanted to let his contract, you know, he did not want to sign an extension. Uh, he wanted his contract to, to, to kind of expire there at the end of the 2017 season so that he would be free to pursue other opportunities. Now, Obviously, a big reason for that is because Mike McCarthy, throughout the years, has blocked many of his assistant coaches from taking interview opportunities at other clubs, even if it's a chance for advancement in their careers. Uh, We saw this play out with Ben McAdoo a few years ago, where he allowed his contract to expire, didn't want to sign an extension with the Packers, and luckily, uh, you know, the timing was fortuitous for him because... Uh, an opening was there in New York for the Giants. They needed an offensive coordinator. And, of course, that meant you know he nailed the interview and he got the job and it worked out really well for him. Now, with Van Pelt, he hasn't gone on to a coordinator spot, but he is um, coaching quarterbacks in Cincinnati, which is a lateral move. But you have to think this probably, or he has to, probably thinks, there's a better chance of advancement either there or other places if he... Uh, does quality work on the field. Now, here's the other aspect to this. One has to wonder as well, even if Van Pelt maybe had second thoughts along the way, seeing how, uh, you know, Ben McAdoo went on to get a coordinator spot and then get a head coaching spot, and then things kind of crashed down around him. You know, maybe opposing teams are looking at the Packers quarterback coach as, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers makes you guys. So is every possibility that Van Pelt wanted to go someplace else and get a chance to work with other quarterbacks? Now, that also brings up the, what about Brett Hundley? What about Brett Hundley's, I think we're being fair if we say, poor showing uh, during his time as starter after having been in the system for three years? Um, how much of that were his personal athletic limitations? 
how much of that was his own lack of preparedness, as Mike McCarthy alluded to in his season-ending press conference, and how much of that was his quarterback's coach, Alex Van Pelt. You know, there's a lot of moving parts there that I don't think we can just brush aside with, you know, Aaron Rodgers' contention that he should have been consulted. You weren't talking to Alex Van Pelt for the last two years? This didn't come up? Not once? And if it didn't, well, then I think you should be talking to Alex Van Pelt right now rather than making, you know, insinuations in the media. And make no mistake, and I know... A lot of def- people come to Rogers' defense. Well, you know, the media asks him about it, etc. And I'll, I would point you to the appearance on the Golik and Wingo show on ESPN, where they weren't going down that road at all. Rogers brings it up himself initially by saying you know, a lot of weird changes around the le- around the team, and then we only got what we got because Trey Wingo was smart enough to go back and say, "What kind of changes are you talking about?" And then Rodgers offers up the quarterback coach. Quote. You know, this is to me, and I mentioned this on Twitter, and it, you know, it is what it is. These men who are, they each have their own individual personalities, and that's who they are, and that's fine, and doesn't really hurt anybody, there's no skin off anybody's nose, but it is an unfortunate dynamic throughout the history of the Rodgers and McCarthy relationship where no matter how poorly Rodgers may have played at points, uh, either his first year as a starter, whether it was 2015 when uh, we got the cottage industry going of what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers, which lasted from 2015 through the beginning of 2016 until they went on to run the table and all of a sudden everything turned around. Um, Points, uh, disappointing playoff uh, appearances slash performances. McCarthy has never, ever, not once, not one time said something negative, taken the bait, threw his quarterback under the bus. Never. Not once. Now, as he tells us all the time in the media auditorium, he he will not correct players in the media. He won't... uh, quote-unquote, talk down or talk bad about players with or in the media. That's his philosophy. That's how he chooses to do business. And I can respect that. I get it. If he has an issue with something, if he wants to correct somebody, if he wants to say something about or to someone, he does it about or to the man. Meanwhile, his starting quarterback never seems to miss an opportunity to take a passive-aggressive shot at his head coach. I mean, whether it's this, uh, whether it's his comments after the uh, championship game in Seattle, there are a few others. I just, I don't want to go through and nitpick each and every instance because I think that's just counterproductive, but it's something that's reared its head now and again, usually in the offseason, where Rodgers just can't help himself, and I don't understand why. I don't get what it accomplishes. I don't get how it's productive. And I, like I said, it's who these guys are. It's how they choose to do their business. There's no skin off anybody's nose. Ultimately, also circling back to what I was saying at the beginning, it's a blip in the offseason, a blip in the media landscape. It's not going to mean much come you know the start of training camp. They put pads on. They're working towards one goal, which is winning a Super Bowl. 
which is something else Aaron Rodgers was asked about. Um, you know, asked how far away he thought the Packers were, and of course, I you know I think he said what a lot of people have have, have talked about throughout the years. His the the quote the, the main quote was we have to get back to playing championship defense, which obviously it, it sounds like a no brainer, but as he pointed out, you look at the four teams playing in the AFC and NFC championship games. Clearly, I mean, the defense is the calling card on almost all of those teams, other than the Patriots, who obviously have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, but they also are one of, if not the best coach team in the league, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The other teams just have flat-out good to great defenses. And that's something the Packers have clearly been lacking for some time now. Um, a lot of changes were made this offseason in the hopes and the you know, pointing towards rectifying that long-standing issue. Uh, free agency, the draft have to happen. It'll be interesting to see how Brian Gutekunst attacks the roster. Um, but there's no, there's no doubt. There's no question. It's funny because I think it's maybe the NFL or some entity is at the Super Bowl this week. And one of the, when you're at the Super Bowl, and I've done this a number of years, where I've gone to the Super Bowl, gone to Radio Row, and you're creating content, right? And you've got to come up with a hook that you can ask every person that comes through your station. And one of the things that I think is the NFL is doing is, who would you rather have, Favre, Brady, or Rodgers? I don't get where why they happen upon those three, but Favre, Brady, or Rodgers? And, you know, the, the answer is simple there. Like, if you've only got, you've got to pick one quarterback for one game, who is it? Well, which defense do I get? You know, am I getting Rodgers' defense uh, throughout most of his tenure? Because then, yeah, I ain't taking him. You know, am I getting Brett Favre with the number one defense like he had in 96? I might take Favre. Am I getting Tom Brady with, uh, you know, the defense that helped win those first few championships? I might take Brady. This idea that any one of those quarterbacks is so much better than the other is kind of ridiculous. They're all fantastic players. They all play the game in different ways. Uh, obviously, Brady is considered the best because he's won the most championships in the modern era. You know, I will go to my grave contending that Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback I ever witnessed on a week-to-week basis, and the greatest of all time will always be Johnny Unitas, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, so... It's clear the defense is is the key to the entire offseason. I mean, much will be made about Mike McCarthy and the offense and the retooling of the playbook, and Joe Philbin is back, and everyone knows what they did last time Joe Philbin was in the house. They went 15-1, and their offense was unstoppable, etc., etc., etc. But it all comes down to the defense. Can they get that side of the ball turned around enough? And that's the other thing. They don't need to go and become a top-five defense overnight. Obviously, they would enjoy that if that happened. But that's not what they need. They just need the defense to play respectable, sound football. And if they can do that, they've got a chance. They've been a Super Bowl contender. They have been on the doorstep of the Super Bowl two of the last three years prior to this season with a suspect defense. With a defense that could, on occasion, have trouble lining up properly from down to down. I mean, you give this Packers team just just a competent defense that can play sound situational football, and yes, they are a legit contender. But there's a long way to go between now 
kickoff of week one and the season to, ready to play out in 2018. Um, a lot of work to be done on both sides of the ball, but particularly on the defensive side. And that is obviously what people are going to be watching. It's pretty clear QB1 has, has now thrown it out there. He will definitely be watching what's going on on that side of the ball. Um, but, you know, that's why Gutekunst got the job. That's what he's here to do. And speaking of Gutekunst, I did want to, I got a lot of questions on Twitter about Bob McGinn's column over at his website, Bob McGinn Football. I uh, highly recommend checking it out if you haven't. Um, he had a really a long column. Holy cow. This is like it's more of a fever dream than a column. But uh it was it was excellent as as usual from Bob regarding Mark Murphy's missed chance uh when he, by not hiring John Dorsey, who obviously went on to become the general manager in Cleveland and took Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith with him. And I get Bob's point is well made. It's laid out extremely well. You would expect nothing less from Bob uh, regarding what a perfect fit John Dorsey would have been, how most likely they would have kept retained Elliot and Alonzo had he been hired, and they would have been set for the foreseeable future, continuing in the tradition of you know what Bob Harlan uh, set when he made Ron Wolf general manager back in the day. However, it's pretty clear to me that Mark Murphy wanted to make his stamp on the organization. Now, yes, I, I have no doubt that he felt it necessary to break up the, that kind of mountaintop of responsibility that you know he had to move to kind of displace into three sections, the head coach, the general manager, and then the, the cap guy, so to speak, in Russ Ball. Um, but it's clear that he wanted to exert more control on the football side. It's why Ed Policy was given the, the promotion to oversee Tuttletown and other uh, various business interests. And it, as I've said here before on this podcast, and I've, I've talked about on Facebook Live, and I've tweeted it out, I've, I've made my, you know, I haven't been shy about saying, you know, only time will judge this, only time will tell, but it it's, History is not kind to this setup in Green Bay, uh, especially with the executive committee and the board of directors looming in the background. Uh, as any history, any Packers, astute observer of Packers history will tell you, the more involved that the board uh, and the executive committee are when it comes to football, the worse this team has been. And that is throughout history. And I'm not sitting here saying, or do I for a second believe that the executive committee is sitting there going, well, we now will pull Mark Murphy's strings and we will hire and fire coaches and dictate game plans. And I don't think that's in the cards. I do think it's all on Mark Murphy now, though. And I do think you know, human nature being what it is, the first sign of real kind of distress and or friction, it's going to be a real test. Because Mike McCarthy is going to want to speak up for what's his and what, what he wants as is Brian Gutekunst, as is Russ Ball. And it will be on Mark Murphy to kind of solve those wounds, so to speak, to try and broker peace between three really powerful, forceful, experienced NFL per, you know, people. Gutekunst being kind of the, 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 young, the young buck, so to speak. 
And now Murphy is going to have to make all of that work. And I think that's what he wanted. Um, I can't say I'm a fan of, of the setup. Uh, I've said on Twitter for years, anyone who's followed me along since I started covering either the Packers or the NFL about 10 years ago, I've made my you know, opinion on the matter very clear. I think the smartest teams are the ones that hire a strong NFL personnel evaluator and or GM, and then they get out of the way. Um, and I think that's what Mark Murphy should have done. And what's curious is that's what Mark Murphy sounded like he was going to do just like six days before he made the hire of Brian Gutekunst and then changed everything as far as the power structure. I mean, one week he is literally sitting there twice in his press conference saying, you know, the GM is going to have power to hire and fire the coach. It's going to be the same general manager setup we've had. And then six days later or a week later, whatever it was, He's completely broken with 25 years, 26, whatever it is, of success. To go back to a time when the Packers were pretty bad. The Packers were you know, a laughing stock under this kind of setup. Now, yes, around the NFL, Pittsburgh in particular, teams have this setup where they have multiple people reporting to the president CEO. There has been success in the modern NFL. But I'm here to tell you the modern NFL is not living in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The modern NFL is not dealing with an executive committee and board of directors and a populace that, you know, lives and dies by their team. That truly puts the players, the coaches, everyone who associated with the franchise in a you know absolute fishbowl existence. Being intertwined with fans, committee members, board board members, all those things kind of intersect in a way in Green Bay that doesn't happen anywhere else. Certainly not in major markets. Green Bay is a very unique spot, and that is why Bob Harlan, in his infinite wisdom, saw the need to find a strong football voice in Ron Wolf and give him total authority. And it worked for a long time. Now, we'll see. Now, we could be sitting here 30 years from now extolling the virtues of one Mark Murphy and how he was visionary in his uh, ability to see why the Packers needed to change. And his, his vision set the stage for years and decades of, of, su- of success, 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 success. And, Growth, along with Titletown District, and continued success on the field, and we'll be watching and covering the construction of a new Mark Murphy statue outside Lambeau Field. Maybe that all comes to pass. It's possible. But I am dubious. And that's, uh, that's where I'm going to leave that. All right, everybody. Uh, I, hope you, uh, I hope you check out everything we're doing at PackersNews.com. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Nagler's Never Write. Uh, I really I say it every week because it's true. It blows me away that you guys make me part of your you know, your, your weekly Packers uh, routine. Uh, it really means a lot to me. Uh, the emails I get, the messages, either on Facebook or on Twitter, um, some nice, some not so nice. I love it all. You guys are you guys are the best. It means 
you know, I'm, I'm, you're talking, you're listening, you're, you're making me think. Hopefully I'm making you think a little bit. I really, I honestly, I love it. Thanks so much, everyone. Um, enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I, I've said a couple places. I, I've got the Pats 27-24 over the Eagles, but I really hope the Eagles win it. But uh, my pick is definitely the Pats. I can't pick against Belichick and Brady. Anyway, enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, I'll be back next week here on Nagler's Never Right. Never Right.